Welcome, those of you joining us online. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for that excellent uh, good news this morning. Uh, I'm uh, excited to be sharing with you. Uh, we're going to be sharing together over these next three weeks a sermon series we're simply titling From the Heart. I want to share with you this morning what's burning, what's burning in me in these days, what I feel passionate about for me personally and for you, my church. And so not sharing with you today what's on my mind, I'm sharing what's on my heart. Father, as we look now to your word, would you speak to us? Don't just these folks in-house, online folks, just don't need to hear from this pastor's heart. Father, we need to hear from your heart. Let it be so. Today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The young mother working in a small town in Guatemala was feeling despair. She was experiencing marital problems. Her teenage daughter was defying her at every turn. There were ongoing conflicts with her, with her fellow workers in the workplace, and it was all affecting her health. Sleep was elusive. She seemed to be just tired all of the time, and then it happened, an earthquake. As the earth began to shake under her feet, she ran with other townsfolk to the relative safety of a garden plaza just on the edge of town. And while she ran, buildings shattered and the dust billowed into the air. She later recalled, For those moments, I saw everything so clearly. I, I saw how I could become so much kinder to my husband. I saw that I should just hold my daughter in my arms and say those wonderful words, I love you. She said, I saw the, the pettiness of my grievances with my fellow workers. In an instant, with such gratitude, I saw how it would be so very easy for me to turn things around. At that moment, it seems that God spoke to her so very clearly in a dramatic way. My prayer for you this week has simply been this. Father, these moments that you helped me deliver this sermon that you've helped me prepare, God, I, I pray that you would speak to us. Let us clearly see ourselves, our world, our church, our family. Let us see it all so very clearly. As I have been reading and studying the book of Revelation this week, my thought has simply been this. If you could see what I see. That certainly was disciple John's sentiment as the book of Revelation opens. Now, I have a lot of scripture before you this morning, not these first verses. But the book of Revelation opens with these words. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show the, his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, and this John would be one of the 12 disciples 
of Jesus, who at this time, when he received this vision, he was in exile on the island of Patmos, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is the report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. Hear these words. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. Then John recorded what he saw. And John is clearly saying here in this book, if, if you could see what I see, you would never be the same again. And I do believe if we as individuals and as Cross Point Church, if we could see what John saw, it would have a profound effect upon us and our church, our community, and our world. So let's take a look these next moments. What did John see and answer that question? Well, the first thing I would have you notice is that John saw God himself. He saw the living God. He saw the great I am. Now, we speak and have been already this morning, and some of the songs that we have been singing speak of the fact that when we gather, that God is here present with us. And we know that, and we believe that, that he is present here in this room with us by his Holy Spirit. But this, what, what John saw, is something else. He saw, the first thing I would have you notice, he saw Jesus, God the Son. And it was a spectacular sight, a long robe with a gold sash. His eyes were like flames of fire. His voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. His face was like the sun in all its brilliance. It was a spectacular sight. And then John records these words, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. And I wonder if we saw him, if we truly saw God, would we be so overwhelmed that we could not stand? Isaiah of old, way back in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, when he saw God, his words were, woe is me for I am undone. When was the last time that you were in God's presence and you felt undone? Undone. You were overwhelmed with awe. You, you just felt insignificant, and you had a sense of unworthiness and a sense of sinfulness. That was John's experience when he saw God. But he goes on and says, and he, speaking of Jesus, laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Oh, Lord, lay your hand upon me. Lay your hand on us. We sing. I believe we sang it just last week. Make me more aware of your presence, Lord. Let me experience the glory of your presence. Do we really mean that when we say it, when we sing it? Is it a prayer? 
This past week, I listened to King's Church pastor, Crosspoint Raised, and my young friend, Brent Ingersoll, preach. It was a, a sermon he preached six years ago at Beulah Camp. It was a great sermon, but one statement that he made about mid-sermon really struck me, and here's what he said. The enemy of the church today is a low view of God, a low view of God, saying we, we, we see too little of the living God in our day. We, we expect too little of the living God today, and therefore, he's saying we experience less than we could and should experience. Father, let us here at Crosspoint experience the glory of your presence. Well, then John heard the voice say, Jesus' voice say, come on up higher, come up here. Revelation 4, and I'm reading, and I instantly was in the Spirit, writes John, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. And the one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. John is recording here that what he saw when he looked towards the throne of God, the brilliance was so overwhelming, he couldn't hardly see. He wasn't able to actually see the one on the throne. There were 24 elders and other living beings around the throne. Chapter 4, verse 8 goes on. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and is still to come. Then we go to chapter 5 and we read, Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and they sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Scenes like this are repeated over and over again in the book of Revelation. One more, I take you to Revelation 7, and we read these words. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. I plan to be in that number one day, don't you? They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings, and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. And they sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
Do you know what struck me about that, those scriptures that I've read to you? In heaven, around the throne, there were no spectators, only worshipers. Oh, if only we could see what John saw. I believe if we could see what John saw, our worship, our worship, individually and corporately as a church would be transformed. Don't you think? It's certainly our worship individually wouldn't be confined to what we do Sunday morning at 9 or 11 or Tuesdays at 10.30. I believe our worship would happen anytime, any place, and we would, there would be times when we would just spontaneously break out in worship. That ever happened to you? Has it happened to you lately? Bob and Sue Lively are friends of ours. They, they live in Oklahoma now, but they summer at Beulah, where we live. Bob and I have been friends since we were teenagers. He lived right here on Coronation Court, just a few hundred feet this way, and uh, lived there, attended this church with his family. Uh, we've been friends all through the years. We had breakfast together in a St. John restaurant this summer. Now, I admit to you that I'm sometimes overly casual with my prayer over the food of Thanksgiving before we eat. I am guilty of sometimes being rote, and by rote I mean I, I utter words uh, that I have said very similar to what I have prayed before. My mind is hardly on the words that I'm praying. I do it almost thoughtlessly. But on this morning in the restaurant, Sue offered to pray the prayer of blessing before the meal. And uh, there was no casual approach, not Sue, not this day. And she began and just said these words, Holy One. And then she paused. And it, it, was, it was just an awesome God moment for me. Here we are in a noisy restaurant with a plate of hot food before me, waiting for me to dive in. And, and just in an instant, I became keenly aware of his presence. John is saying, John is saying, if you, if you could see what I see, your worship would be a, a lifestyle. There would be a constant and pervading sense of God's presence with you day and night until you found yourself at times just giving expression to that spontaneously. I want that for me. I want that for you. I want that for Cross Point Church. Well, let's move on. What did John see? Well, the second thing that he saw, he saw the state of the church. Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3 contain the message that John was ordered to deliver to the seven churches of Asia, Asia Minor. But hear me today, he also delivered the message of this letter to an eighth church, and that would be Cross Point Church today. And the message has some complimentary words. Hear, hear what he said in uh, complimentary I have seen your hard work, he writes, and your patient endurance. 
You have remained loyal to me. I have seen your love, your faith, your service. You have obeyed my word. But then in this letter comes a but. And after the but comes some hard words. And here it is. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You tolerate false teachings. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. Now, we'll accept the complimentary words, won't we? And we certainly will, but don't, don't these hard words have, have application to you and I individually and to us as a church as well, don't they? Nine days ago, your church leadership board went, into, went on a one-evening retreat. We ate together, we fellowshiped together, we laughed together, and we prayed together. We did, we did no church business. And when I say church business, I'm talking about uh, we didn't study the financials, didn't even look at them. We didn't discuss problems that we've got with the building here, whether the roof was leaking or the rug needed. We didn't discuss any of those kinds of things. We didn't talk about staffing issues. We didn't look at the pastor's reports. We didn't discuss the COVID protocols as time goes on. We didn't talk about church business, but what we did talk about was the business of the church. Help me, let me help you see the, the difference. The business is of the church as, as different from church business means what we are all about. We talked about loving God and loving each other and making new disciples and, and when we prayed, and that was almost entirely the, that was almost the entire meeting, there was confession. There was repentance. Some of it was personal. Individual people in front of other board members praying prayers of repentance. There was corporate repentance. And by that means some of us prayed prayers repenting for the, for the shortcomings of Crosspoint Church. Here's what I'm saying to you. If we could see what John saw, if we could clearly see what John saw, we would do three things, and the first one would be just that, repent. Three times that message rings out in John's message to the churches. Chapter 2, verse 5, repent. Chapter 2, verse 16, repent. Chapter 3, verse 3, repent. And we as individuals and as a church in these days need to be open. If we could see what John saw, we would repent of priorities misplaced. We would, we would repent of our preoccupation too often with secondary and less important matters. We would repent of our failure to extend grace Grace ought to be the major thing that we're all about. We would repent of our failure to more effectively and consistently practice the great commandment, love God, love each other, and the great commission, go and make disciples. If we could see what John saw, we would repent. If we could see what John saw, we would hold fervently to the truth. Revelation chapter 3, verse 3 says, Go back to what you heard and believed at first and hold to it firmly. 
I love the Wesleyan Church's statement on the Bible, what we have to say about the Bible. We have a very strong statement, and it goes like this. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. Now, I want you to see the difference between that statement, the Bible is the Word of God, and the Bible contains, the weaker statement would be, the Bible contains the Word of God. And if we only held the statement that the Bible contains the Word of God, then it perhaps contains other things too, some myth and some legend and some fable and perhaps some opinion and maybe even some error. But we believe, we believe and our love, our statement because we're holding to the truth when like Billy Graham way back when he was a young man said, I believe the Bible from cover to cover and I even believe what it says on the cover. It's the Holy Bible. We believe everything that's in this book. We believe that the words of Jesus were accurately recorded for us. And perhaps one of the most important and vital things that he ever said are these words. John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' only words saying there is no other way to God the Father except through me. Jesus said that. And our culture today increasingly considers such statements as narrow, bigoted, and even unloving. But I declare to you this morning, if we could clearly see what John saw, we would hold fervently to the truth, that truth and every other truth in this holy book. And the other thing, if we could see what John saw concerning the state of the church, we would love God and love each other like never before. Revelation chapter 2.5 two says, turn back to me and do the things you did at first. Those words were written right after this, these words, you don't love me as you did or each other as you did at first. Let me ask you veteran Christians in the room, veteran Christians online this morning, do you remember the early days when you were first a Christian? Do you remember back? Do you remember the, the excitement? Do you recall the passion, the, the fervency that you felt? Is it as good today as it was then? Let me use this for an example. Those of you in this room online who have been decades, decades married. Remember the dating days? If your marriage, this is great marital advice, if your marriage isn't like it was at one time, these words of Revelation 3 are so applicable. Do the works that you did at first. And what did you do at first back in those those exciting dating days. Remember the, the, thoughtful, the thoughtful gifts, the attentive ear, the unprompted I love yous that you said? If we could see, if we could see what John saw, we would love God and love each other like never before. 
Well, I need to move on. Here's the last one. There are three. And what else did John see? He saw the end of all things. And I'm reading to you now from Revelation 20. Sobering words. Here they are. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence. I saw the dead, both small, great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Let me ask you this morning. Is your name in that book? Is your name in that book? Hymn writer Mary Ann Kidder wrote these words over 120 years ago. Lord, my sins, they are many, like the sands of the sea. But your blood, O oh my Savior, is sufficient for me. For your promise is written in bright letters that glow. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them like snow. And then the chorus, the refrain. Is your name written there on the page white and fair? In the book of God's kingdom, is your name written there? My name is written in that book. Is your name written there? And then the scene changes when we move to Revelation chapter 21 and we read these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And then, and, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a sound, a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Such wonderful, exhilarating words. I plan to be there. Don't you? Ah, loved ones, if we could see what John saw hear these words, we would get more serious about the Great Commission. Yes, we would. Great Commission, Jesus' last words, his orders for the church, his orders for every believer. Here they are, go and make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Are we close? Are we close to the end of the age? The turmoil and the controversy in the great democracy to our south, our neighbor, the United States of America, this week has me wondering, Lord, how long will you linger? Tuesday night as I watched the election results and I wanted the input of one of our staff members, Steve, Stephen Thomas, is an American citizen, as is Dave Rowe. So I was texting back and forth with uh, 
Stephen, he said he was not watching, but he said he was weary of all the, the division and the disunity as this election was unfolding and the results. And then he, his last text to me was just these words, come Lord Jesus. Is that your sentiment today? Oh Lord Jesus, how long will you tarry? Come Lord Jesus. But so many, my next thought, when I think those thoughts, come Lord Jesus, my next thought, my mind turns to friends that I have and family members and relatives and neighbors. And they doubt. They doubt what we fervently believe. They doubt if it's true. They don't see it as relevant to them personally. And so many you talk to out there today, if they believe anything, they probably believe that well, come on, all good people go to heaven. There's no need for this saved stuff. There's no need to be talking about that awful subject of hell. And I wonder if sometimes if they don't see enough passion in those of us who do believe to convince them that it's all true. If we could see what John saw, we would get more serious about getting people's names in the book of life. This week in my study, I came across these words, 97% of the world has heard of Coca-Cola. 72% of the world has seen a can of Coke. 51% of the world has tasted a can of Coke. And Coke has only been around for about 100 years. As I read that, I wondered, is the Coke company doing a better job at getting their product out than we are of getting the message of the gospel out? Some while back, a Mercedes-Benz TV commercial shows one of their cars colliding with a concrete wall during a safety test. Someone asked a Mercedes engineer why their company does not enforce their patent on their car's energy-absorbing car body. They have, a, they have a patent on it. That means no one else can use what they've designed, what they've built, but they don't enforce it. And, and so the Mercedes design has been copied by almost every our car maker on the globe down through the years. And so this engineer answers the question as to why they permit it like this. He said, because in life, some things are just too important not to share. And I declare to you this morning, if we could see, if we could see what John saw, then we would realize that this gospel message is too important not to share. So let me share with you, once again, the glorious message of the gospel in as simple a way as I've ever seen it explained. I've done it before, several, even last week we did it. Here it is. God wants to have a relationship with every one of us. He desires that. He loves us. But without exception, every, every one of us have broken off that relationship with God. We're all rebels. We've all thought things and spoken words and done things that we regret and we wish we had not have done. So all of us 
No exceptions. We're all separated from God. And I believe there's a sense in all of us that that, that is so. And we, we instinctively do things to try to bridge the gap between sinful us and a holy God. We try to be good neighbors and be good people and support, support worthy causes and be the best citizen we can be and parent and wife and husband and all the rest. But you know what the Bible says? It's hopeless. There's nothing that we can ever do to bridge the gap between sinful us and a holy God. And the news gets worse. The Bible makes it clear. It's true. All of us are under a death sentence, and that means we are doomed to spend forever separated from God and all good. But God loves us so much he couldn't let it happen. And so God came down in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and he lived among us. And he died on the cross. And his death on that cross took the punishment for the sins that you have committed and that I have committed. And when he died on that cross, he canceled your death sentence. But you know what? It's, it's not enough that we just know this. It's not enough that we, in our minds, accept this as true. We must act on it by admitting that we have rebelled and by telling God that we want his forgiveness and we ask for it and we put our trust in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and the Bible makes it clear when we do that, ask for forgiveness and put our trust in Jesus Christ, at that moment we cross over from death to life. At that moment he writes our name in the book of life. Have you done that? Are you here this morning and you're not certain that your name is in that book? Are you watching with us online today? But you cannot of a certainty say, I know my name is in the book. You could make sure even this moment. I'm going to pray a prayer just now. And those of you that are here in house, I'm going to invite you to pray it with me. If you're already a child of God, and you've already made that decision, why don't you pray it as an affirmation of a decision that you made maybe months, maybe years, maybe decades ago? And those of you that are watching online, why don't you pray this too? Why don't you pray it right out loud as we pray together? Would you do that right where you are? Pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. And I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and into my life. Please write my name in your book. I want to trust you and follow you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.